Welcome to the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Spurs. And now, let's join our hosts. Hello and welcome to episode 91 of the Spurs News Podcast. It's going to be a bit of a change this week, so uh, Sam's taking a well-earned week off and... um, on this episode, I'm joined by a guest presenter and the man that sits to the right of me in the greatest stadium in the world, Andrew. How you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks. I like that intro. Yeah. <laughs> we are neighbours of sorts. Yeah, we are neighbours. Do you know what? I, I mentioned it on last week's podcast um, that when you pick a season ticket, you like obviously the first thing you have to worry about is your view. You want to make sure your view is good and all that. But there is in the back of your mind, I don't know if you're the same, am I going to be sat next to a couple of idiots? And so luckily for me, I've got a good guy on the left and I've got a good guy on my right, you know, so I've kind of picked a good seat. <laughs> Mate, <laughs> listen, when we were at Wembley, left and right wasn't so bad, but we had a bunch of guys who obviously shared a set of season tickets and they'll probably find me now after this pod, but I don't mind that. <laughs> um, and they, not all of them, but most of them were complete and utter knobs, right? Yeah. Uh, they used to just do just most ridiculous things. The type of fans you just don't want to sit next to, sneak in, drink, stand, keep on singing when you're singing wrong songs as well, naughty songs. And I'm like, come on, there's kids around you. They just didn't care. They just didn't care. Yeah. And my daughter yeah. knew it because obviously my daughter sits in between us, um, although I might change that for next season. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I think we've got a brilliant stadium and good season ticket holders around. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely have, definitely have. Well, I'll give you a chance to introduce introduce yourself properly. So uh, I thought I'd just ask you, like, you know, why did you become a Spurs fan? What's it like to be a season ticket? And if you've got any good memories, really, of being, a, you know, going to Spurs over the years? Okay, the why. The why is a combination of locality. I grew up in Hackney, so I could have gone to the other side. But luckily for me, my godbrother played for Spurs, so he came through the youth team. Lucky escape there, mate. Lucky escape. (laughs) Yeah. So he was really the driver, and then we had Hoddle as well. So that was kind of the why. Uh, What's it like being a season ticket holder? A lot better now we're at home, back on Hello Turf. Wembley was a very interesting uh, situation because you wanted to go to all the games, but the journey was so long. I don't know what it's like for you, but for me it was certainly long and didn't really enjoy that experience. Um, Novelty soon wore off there. But yeah, I've been a season tick holder twice now and thoroughly enjoy going to the games. It's just what you live for really, isn't it, on a weekend? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, You're right about, I mean, for me, going to Wembley, I mean, I live live Stevenage way, so it's kind of like, you know, North Hertfordshire. So it's easier, it's quicker for me to get to the new state. It wasn't that difficult... Well, it wasn't as difficult, I guess. Like it's more, it's easier to get to the new ground, but it wasn't like it was a real ball ache for me to get to Wembley. But I know for a lot of fans, especially ones that were local, you know, to Spurt, like to Tottenham, and that, you know, it, it was a lot more difficult to get to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and after a bad defeat, it's one of the worst. And, oh. and I think psychologically, the team had this with Wembley as well, as well as the fans. I can't. Well, I don't think I've been to Wembley and had a positive result in a cup game um, with Spurs. So it was difficult going there and thinking this is going to be home. And whilst we were there, it was difficult because we didn't always perform like we did at White Hart Lane, especially the last season at White Hart Lane where we left undefeated. I think that's the problem, and like me and Sam have spoken to it and spoken about it on a lot of the podcasts. That last season at White Hart Lane. In, for me, even living, like, I mean, I'm in my 40s, mate, and living memory, that probably goes down as one of our best seasons. I know there was no trophies at the end of it, but just the football that we were playing, it was just unreal, the football we were playing. And, and it was just a joy to watch Spurs play at home. It was like every time you went, obviously we didn't lose a single game there, but you just came away. Like, every, like I mean, I, I wasn't a season ticket holder, but I managed to go to sort of three or four games. And everyone I came away from, I'm like, wow, like, you know, I've got my money's worth here, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and uh, so on our pod, so I'll mention that now before we get too carried away. So I I was going to, don't worry, I was going to let you plug your pod, mate, don't worry. Okay, well, I'll wait for that moment, but 
Kwabna, um, him and I have discussed that, that very same season, that very same home run. And I think he touched on it and said that we, every time he saw us play there in that season, he felt we would beat anyone. And obviously we didn't lose. So we pretty much either beat everyone or we drew. So, and you can't take like negatives away from that. It's only a positive to know that you're so dominant on your home turf. And Wembley wasn't that, and we just need to find that at the new stadium, uh, the new Wahart Lane. I don't like calling yeah. it the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah, I mean, we're still waiting for it to be called something, aren't we? But I think that's yeah. for another day, isn't it? But yeah, go on, mate. Andrew, plug your podcast, mate. Okay, brilliant. Cheers. So we are the Shelf Side Podcast. We are new, so only about five or six episodes in. So when you mentioned 91... I'm like, oh, we've got a long way to go. Uh, <laughs> and I did commit to start numbering ours, and I forgot last week, so uh, that went out the window very quickly. But yeah, we're new. The Shelfside Podcast, uh, we're two fans. Obviously, I'm a season ticket holder. Pabna's a lifelong fan. A very insightful guy and very controversial. Uh, so if you, you fancy another podcast, guys, there's always room for more, is what I say. Um, check us out, and we're at Shelf Pod on the Twitter and Instagram. Wicked, yeah. I have had a listen. It is a, it's a good listen, but you know, obviously not as good as listening to Spurs news. You know, this is what I want first, then then your one after. Is it? Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> right, okay. So, so I thought I'd start with um, obviously the, the the big news. I guess you know, it's not just Spurs news, but in in relation to football in general in this country. But the the FA are kind of tentatively giving us a date, aren't they, for the um, for the beginning of, well, not to say the beginning, the resumption of the new season. There has been a statement by uh, one of the chaps at the FA, uh, the Chief Executive Richard Masters, and he said, today we have, this was yesterday, obviously, today we have provisionally agreed to resume the Premier League on Wednesday, the 17th of June. Uh, but this date cannot be confirmed until we have met all the safety requirements needed as the health and welfare of all participants and supporters is our priority. Sadly, matches will have to take place without fans in stadiums, so we are pleased to have come up with a positive solution for supporters to be able to watch all the remaining 92 matches. The Premier League and all our clubs are proud to have incredibly passionate and loyal supporters. It is important to ensure as many people as possible can watch the matches at home. We will continue to work step by step and in consultation with all our stakeholders as we move forward towards resuming the 2019-2020 season. So what what are your thoughts, you know, seeing that and seeing, you know, the news about it, the, the season resuming? It's funny because you and I spoke on this previously and obviously we did a a pod on this um, when the Bundesliga kicked off. And I was very much against uh, football returning until it was safe to do so. Now, politically, it's still a bit up in the air as to what is and when is safe going to be. But June the 17th is a couple of few weeks away. And hopefully, uh, it's a lot safer in general, not just for football terms, in general, then. Uh, I think it's right to not have the fans there because obviously health and safety, large gatherings, uh, etc. Social distancing, it makes sense. I don't think the footballers should be railroaded into playing, but I think from the reaction of what I saw, there were, the majority seemed to be keen to get back. Those who don't want to play are fully back their argument. But I, th- I think it would be a good time for it to come back. And uh, for Spurs, from Spurs' perspective, Everyone should hopefully be fit, so that would be yeah, good. Yeah, that, that is a positive. I mean, I, I remember the last game I went to at the, and you was there, funny enough, and we didn't get a chance to catch up, did we? The FA Cup game. Oh yeah, yeah, we couldn't find each other. Yeah, but oh mate, I just <laughs> dire. That, it? It's it's one of them ones, and it and but you, you think about it. I mean, I don't know what you took from the game. Obviously, you know the, the disappointment. I and I and I don't know if it's because I'm a I'm a Spurs fan or I'm an England fan, but. When it gets near penalties, it's like I just don't, I don't have any hope that we are gonna, we're gonna get through. It's so rare to us win, you know, to win penalties either as a Spurs fan or as an England fan, you know. But I know, obviously, I remember the one. It was against uh, was when we was playing at uh, Milton Keynes in one of the cup games last season. I think yes. it was against Watford, wasn't it? And we yeah. won penalties then, and that surprised me. I was like, you know, but I, I don't know if I like to think I'm quite an optimistic person, but just when it comes to penalties, I just. I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like we've got a block, you know. So I just, I was just hoping we get, we'd, we'd get a winner somehow in extra time. And I just, even when 
they missed their first penalty, I was like, I'm not going to get excited. I'm just going to, you know, this. I'm I'm only going to cheer when when it's over. And obviously, as it came to be, we we lost, you know. But I I felt when we was when we were playing it, it just felt like that our head our head was chopped off. You know, we had so many like you know the the forward attacking players out. Like, you know, his son, Kane, Bergwijn. Was, I think Bergwijn was playing, wasn't he? But it was... Came off. It just, I think Bergwijn came, came off. That's right, yeah. Yeah. And and just... And the thought now of having these players back, I think, make... It, it, I don't think you can underestimate the, the difference it's going to make for us. Yeah, I think the problem is, and anyone who knows anything about football's played it, watched it enough, you need a focal point up top. And you need someone who sometimes is just going to hold the ball up, uh bring others into play and be a threat running in the other side. And that's the brilliance of Kane. Yeah, he doesn't run in behind as much, but he definitely is a target man when needs to be and brings others into play and can drop deeper and slip players in. And when you haven't got that, moves tend to break down so often, right? And Delhi's Delhi's not that type of player. Delhi's a flicks and tricks guy. He's he relies on others to be the most creative he can be. So struggles. Lucas Moore has probably been running to the ground at that point. Bergwijn got injured. So then you're looking at it and you're looking at with the reliance on the Celso to try and do something brilliant. We pushed him further forward, and then the reliance of on young Troy Parrott, and he's he's the best player we've never seen play. Mm. And there's too much pressure and reliance on him and. I would like to see him more, but for sure, but not just come on and be the hero after playing like probably a combined ninety minutes of top flight football, if that. Yeah, I think that's that kind of really sums up how desperate we were at the time, wasn't it? That we were just almost like, and I, and I remember being there as well. I remember thinking we need to bring Parrot on, yeah. and we were at that point, weren't we, where we've got nothing else. Let's bring on a player that, like you say, he's probably played ninety minutes of like top level football completely like you know I know he's obviously done a lot you know in the in the in the for the youth and everything like he looks a good talent but yeah. we was at that place when we were we like we need Troy Parrott whereas like <laughs> yeah. now I mean this guy can now concentrate on what he's doing now can't he I mean we've got we've got the main men back basically haven't we we've got the main man and I'm excited to see the combination of him uh Son Bergwijn even Lucas obviously Delhi. Uh, etc. And Lo Celso and one other or maybe two others in their midfield. Uh, and Jose would have time to work with the side as well because it's not just the attack that was blunt. The, the defence wasn't cohesive and neither was the midfield units because we had so many players in and out. Sissoko out, Winks in and out, Lo Celso in and out, Gedson not really getting a run to find his feet, Dyer in and out. So, yeah, hopefully when we come back, Jose's had that mini pre-season he's been after. Yeah. Do, do you know what? I, I was thinking, because obviously they've announced the um, the, the kind of the, the dates for, for the everything coming back, like the Premier League coming back and everything. And they, they're talking about, you know, being over uh, literally for seven days a week and there's going to be loads of games that yeah. are going to be played. Uh, all live, they're, they're, I think. Yeah, yeah, all live, which is a good thing as well. I mean, they're, they're talking about like the, the Champions League, um, uh, oh, sorry, the Premier League games being almost like a Champions League format as well. So like on a Thursday, they'll play like games at six and at eight as well. So there's going to be games the whole time. You know, I think they've the provisionally. I think they've given um, it's going to be Aston Villa uh, and Sheffield she- United and Man City versus Arsenal are yeah. going to be on the seventeenth. And then come on, City! Win. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what? It's been so long on it to hate the Arsenal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then um, like a full round, obviously on the nineteenth, and uh, they're, they're, they're obviously talking about them being on some of them uh, being live, live to, to to play as well. You know. Yeah. Uh, but um, they're also they're also talking about the the um, FA Cup game, uh, FA Cup final yeah, being on the that. 1st of August. I saw that, so, yeah. Yeah, so do you think that then literally these last three months have just been pre-season and they'll just go from the FA Cup final and then next week it'll be the first round of of the next season? I, I can't see it because they've got, obviously they've got, they've got the Euros that they're going to play in 21, 2021. Yeah. So they've got to get this next season yeah. finished more or less on time. So I feel like the last three months has just been pre-season now and literally it's going to be 38 games plus these nine are going to be now the new season. I think they have to have a break 
I think they will need to have some form of break because the argument already is that we need a winter break in this country, right? In a normal season. So if we went straight through, then you've got the argument that you've got an additional nine plus FA Cup plus Champion League game for the likes of City, um, especially. So I think they need to have some kind of break, but I think the break will be shorter. Yeah, well, it's going to have to be, isn't it? I mean, either that or they're going to have to just squeeze all... like do another squeeze for next season, aren't they? So, you, yeah. I mean, they, they, they've they introduced, obviously, the winter break, the seasons we're in at the moment, but I can't see them doing that. They're not they're not going to be able to get all these games in and get the players, you know, free then to, to, to play in the Euros. Exactly, and that is very paramount that those players will need to be sharp and fit for the Euros. That will be a disaster if they crammed it all in and your top players, your revenue getters, in world football, European football, are not there. So yeah, and it's it's the same for La Liga. Obviously, um, Bundesliga went before, but it's the same for La Liga. So your likes of Cristiano, um, he would need to be fit if he's not there because of injury at Euros. It would be a disaster. So I think I think a two week break maybe, and then they go again with another maybe two week preseason, and yeah, they would just have to kind of. There's this talk of potentially having more substitutes that that may play a fact if they bring that in to help keep players fresh who knows yeah i mean they've got all different ideas and obviously they've they've not announced yet have they whether the games are going to be played uh like uh, i mean they were talking weren't they about like picking six stadiums and having all the games there yeah. I, I guess it doesn't really matter i mean i know like someone mentioned it on the on the uh, spurs news facebook page that what what are they going to do if 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 spurs are playing their home games at their home ground then obviously there's going to be no fans there. But at the moment, our, our stadium is being used by the NHS. Yeah. So how will that work? I mean, obviously, I, I appreciate this and they haven't got to worry about the fans and stuff, but I was under the impression that this, that's what the stadium was being used for solely, you know? And so how are they going to play games there as well as still use it as a hospital? So it look, for me, it looks like they're going to just stick with these neutral venues. And it's something that me and Sam have mentioned, and I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but you look at teams like, like Brighton, for example, who out of those nine, those last nine games, five of them were at home, and you can imagine they were relying on them five home games to help them, you know, stay clear of relegation. And if they're being played at neutral grounds, then it's just like playing nine away games, really, isn't it? Yeah, that idea of neutral grounds, I'm not so sure on. Just to touch on your point about Spurs, so my understanding is yes, the stadium is being used. Yes, they're using the NFL um, dressing room. I don't know if they're using the home and away dressing rooms for football. Uh, And I don't know if they're using the pitch. So potentially there is still um, a case that they could play football there, as far as I understand it. Um, But yeah, I I totally agree. I've been thinking about how this would affect teams because you are reliant on um, your home fans. Uh, I think I saw something from Lineker tweeted uh, how players are influenced by the fans because he said, I don't know what the stats were, but there's more playing time now in Bundesliga than there was previously when there were fans. And that means that players are playing up to fans, challenging the referee and the likes of um, more so. So if you just think, look at when Liverpool had that sticky run uh, where they were coming back and winning in the 90th minute. And obviously, we know how important the cop is uh, for Liverpool and Anfield. Let's just think, if they didn't have fans throughout the whole season, they wouldn't have had that cop energy to pull them out of those dark patches to end up winning games, 2-1 and the likes of. So it's going to be a massive impact um, for all clubs, especially those with small, tight grounds and where they generate noise. And like you said, we're reliant on five home games and probably getting 12 or, I don't know, 15 points. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's always kind of used as almost like a cliche, isn't it, that, that we're the 12th man. But look, you know, you and I, we both go to games and, and it, you can tell, like we, we're all human beings, aren't we? So if you're on that pitch and you've got like thousands of people just willing you on that is going to make a difference isn't it like yeah. as a human as a human being it's like in any situation isn't it it's like it's something silly for example like from my little boy if he's 
on the on the score on the sports day, yeah. and you see him, and and and, he, and he's near the back, and you're like, come on, come. And like you, you know course. that he Energy. can hear that, and he's and that's giving him something, isn't it? So it, of course, like that's just one person shouting. So you've got fifty thousand people screaming, like shouting and willing you on. That's going to make a difference, and I, I I worry. I mean, I I know you obviously you was talking about the Bundesliga. I I, I haven't. I'm I don't know. I'm not even been curious to be honest of watching the games only because. I just, I've never, I, I'm for me. I, I'm, I watch Spurs. I like watching Premier League games, but you know, I, I, games in other, other countries. I, the, the style has kind of sometimes put me off, so I've not really been watching it. And I know you, you mentioned you have. Oh no, no, I hasn't. I haven't watched. It. Oh, you haven't. Oh, I thought you had been. No, I just saw the tweet from Nineke, and I, I, right. I think I was a bit unsure on whether morally I should be watching, and right. I just think, as you know, with the little ones. This isn't a restful period because your kids are not yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of full yeah. on, and I haven't found the time or energy. I, I like watching Dortmund, if I'm honest, uh, typically, but the rest of it I can do without, and I, I haven't watched it. I, I just, I just wonder because I have, I have like watched the. I think I watched the, there was a game in Italy that was um, being played behind closed doors. And I mean, these things used to be a punishment, didn't they? Exactly. Like, it's like we're getting punishments behind closed doors. But it's it's not just the fan noise, but it for me it felt like a a, a training match, really. It's a, like, yeah, it's you know, a preseason like, match. It's pretty. Yeah, much pre-season. exactly. Yeah. And 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 it's it's weird because you've you've got like say you've got eleven players versus eleven players, and regardless of you know they're, they're on the same pitch of the same players. But it's it's going to make a difference, and this is the thing that worries me. And I've mentioned this to Sam before in previous podcasts that they, you know, they're, they're saying they're trying to get us excited. It's what we need. We want to see football back after what we've gone through in the last few months. It's going to give us all a boost. But I I just don't feel like it's going to like you know I, I don't feel like it's going to be the football that I know that would give me a boost. You know, it, it it's going to just be. I don't know. Maybe we we'll watch a game. Maybe we will watch the first one. I think it's Man United. And be like, do you know what? We, I think I can watch the last the next day. And it, maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was. But just my thoughts now are that I don't think that the that the football that we're going to see with no with no um, crowds and potentially neutral venues and potentially them wearing masks, etc. Isn't going to feel like they, they can't wear masks. Sorry, this I can't see how they wear masks. That's what they're talking about, aren't they? They're talking about that, and they're talking about every time the football gets kicked off. They're going to put a disinfected one back on the pitch and things like that. Okay. Well, just... I, I, I don't know. I, I really, I mean, they have to do what they need to do to keep it safe, right? So that side of it, disinfected balls coming on, I get that. And if it's manageable, do it. I can't see breathing in masks playing football for 90 minutes. I can't see how that works. But again, they have to do what they need to do and everybody will be impacted by whichever decisions they choose to make going back to your point about watching games i think what i think will be different is you and i will watch all the spurs games regardless right because if we yeah, had the opportunity to watch pre-season games um in the icc whatever it is we watch them so yes. for us as avid fans we will watch spurs what we may not do is watch the other games because there'll be that lack of edge mm. Mm. and I think that's what will happen. I think some people will watch, but then I saw something that said there'll be games potentially on the weekend, 12, 2, 4, 6, and 8. Yeah, they're basically they're, they're going to be playing them every day of the week at, at different times. So, yeah, it's going to be a strange one. I mean, I, for me, the one that's going to be the very interesting one, and I know obviously you, you alluded to, to them earlier, uh, is the North London derby. I mean, the North London derby is... The, the game with the fans. Exactly. And I mean, w- w- obviously me and you and people that get to go to the games and season ticket holders, we get to experience it uh, going to North London derbies. But that, it's, it's weird. And I don't know if, you, if you're, you're uh, concur with me on this one, but it, it feels like, it feels like there's actual electricity in the stadium. Do, do, do you know what I mean? We're, Even like, before I, the stadium, Matt. Yeah, you go in and the hairs on the back of your neck yes. stand up, don't they? Yeah. I feel that tension. Sorry, I feel yeah. that tension as I, as I'm drive. I drive to the stadium, uh, but as I drive and I get there, I'm getting that nervous energy. As I walk towards the stadium, whether I see Gooners or not, I've got that nervous energy. And as you get in, you you just sense it. It's electric. Yeah, 
It really is, isn't it? And I mean, the last, I think the last one I went, was it at Wembley, the last one? It's one all, wasn't it? When, when, uh, yes. Lloris saved the penalty right in. Yes, yes. Oh, God, that was. That and that was sucked. the difference, by the way. That was the difference between Champions League or not. Oh, mate. Do, do you know, I just remember, because if, if I can remember the game right, we. We weren't playing too well in no. that game, and I, I, I almost felt like we came out and escaped with a draw. We did, yeah. But when they got that penalty, oh god, you you, you can you actually can li- almost literally feel your heart sink, can't you? you yeah. Know, this is just, and 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 it's for for me, it's not even a, it's it's the, obviously you know if they'd have scored that, then you know the the pain of having to watch them celebrate. But it's just, and this is I guess going to my point about no fans, I would have just looked over to I think it would have been where I was sitting it would have been the, the, the right hand side and just seen however what 5,000 of them fans just going mad and that would have been that would that was that would be the most painful moment of it you know forget the social media afterwards and the banter and getting wound up just seeing the delirium on their faces as, as they've just got a last minute winner and and that's why I feel like the, the North London derby it's going to be so weird without that's going to that's going to be the one that's going to be so weird without fans, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I've been thinking exactly the same thing. So yeah, I I concur with everything you're saying. And I was thinking about also when was the last time um, we as fans would have witnessed a North London derby on home soil because we didn't we won't see it this season. We didn't see it last season. Yeah, and we course. didn't see it the season before. Yeah, yeah. See, I can. Was you at the game uh, the season before at Wembley when we beat them one nil at home? Yes. And uh, that was the one again when they got a because my season ticket. I was right behind the goal uh, where they got that free kick right at the end, and it was a bit like obviously it wasn't a penalty. Yeah. It was only a free kick, but it was in a good position, and I, and I was in that same mindset that. If they'd score from this free kick, like, you know, we've been one nil up for so long. Yeah. You know, it's going to kill me. It's going to actually kill me. Who was it? That was, did Kane score the header in that yeah, game? Yeah, he did, yeah. And I, and I remember him sort of wheeling away with Deli Alli, Deli Alli, wasn't he? The two yeah. of them were just, you know, oh, seeing that. And that's the thing. And I, and I, I say this a lot, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I would love, uh, I can't help but, but you know, look at the green-eyed monster when I look at some clubs that are winning trophies after trophies season after season to the extent almost they're bored of winning trophies yeah and and I'd, 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 I can't you know I'm not going to lie I'd love to have some of that but at the same time games like that you know beating your, your biggest rivals and those kind of games they, they, they've got they're, they're good memories too I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to for one second pretend that they're not as on the same pile as a trophy but it's, it's still memories that you can take away and talk about from years to come you know yeah, and I think it's I think a lot of it's to do with the bragging rights, right? So you live locally, you've got loads yeah, of mates who are the enemy, working colleagues, etc. Me, the other half, I shouldn't admit it, she's enemy. So um, yeah, bragging rights oh, as well. That kind of pan out. Yeah. yeah. yeah I bet that household is fun in the eye. <laughs> well, the boys, the, the, the boys and the daughter, they've chosen the right side. Bit of oh, pressure. Well done. Yeah. The youngest, the youngest could still be influenced, but I'm sure I'll get to him in time. See, this is why you've done this podcast, and you're like, Dad does a Spurs podcast. You've got to be a Spurs fan. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Right, let's move on. We've got, um, we'll go to the, the, the fan questions. Now it's time for your comments. Right, so we put out on Facebook and Instagram uh, fans uh, that follow the page and follow the, the different social network uh, pages that we've got. Just for any questions they've got for the podcast, we've had a couple, a couple this week. So the first one is from Stefan. Uh, Stefan, we call him Stepping Stefan because whenever I can't make the podcast, he joins Sam. So <laughs> like yeah, yeah, I don't think he minds his uh, his nickname. Uh, he's put um, the football season is now set to resume uh, if second wave and lockdown are not back by then. I'm just not excited. I've seen some Bundesliga matches, no crowd, no atmosphere, and half the time they. Uh, half the time can tell by the play. Uh, what's your thoughts? And in brackets, bet already been spoken of. Yes, mate, we have spoken about it. I mean, <laughs> really, he's just he's just kind of echoing the sentiments of us two, really, isn't he? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, exactly. And the second question is from uh, Tom Perks. Now, Tom says, with the match of the day guys doing their top 10 podcasts, we should have Matt Sam and Stefan do their Tottenham dream team of the Premier League era. Ginola, Pav, Bow, or Crouch. Well, Sam's not on the podcast and Stefan's not on. So me and Andrew, I think we should, we'd do our show. We our, our, So I was thinking maybe what we could do is do our, our our eleven, our first eleven dream team from the Premier League, and maybe three substitutes. I don't know if you've had a little look and had a thought about what yours would be. Yeah, I think I know my first eleven down pat. Go on him. Go on so him. I've I've thought about only one position here that leaves me open to debate. Um, but yeah, I think for me, most of it picks itself. If you say the Pochettino era was era was our most successful era. A lot of mm. players come from that era. So you've got Lloris, and I tried to challenge this, and I, I think he's got a bit, better stats than Robinson, uh, Gomez, and anybody else, really. So it's, it's Lloris. It's right back is Walker. Left back is Rose. The centre-back pairing of Vertonghen and Ledley King, and King's captain, obviously. Uh, DM, Moussa Dembele, alongside Modric. And I know it's not authentic, but then if you look at what Modric and Cruz did at Real Madrid, they didn't have a always have a proper DM. I know Casemiro stepped in, but for the sake of a fantasy team, those two will be in my DM. And then you've got Son to the left, Bell to the right, and the 10 is controversial. I'm going with Van der Vaart and Kane up top. Right, okay. How about your free subs? This was tricky. Free subs. I mean, what do you do with free subs? How did they ever get away with just one or two subs? Oh, I'm trying to find someone who can play in goal. So I said, I've gone away with a goalkeeper. I said, Kane can play in goal. Worst case scenario, he's done it before. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think of a multi-purpose or faceted defender, midfielder. And obviously, Dyer was the obvious one, but I didn't go with him. I went with Popescu. Okay. That was enough, old enough to remember Popescu. He was quality. only played the season, but he was quality and he can play defence and midfield. I'm a massive fan of Ginella, so he comes in and he can play either flank and maybe in a 10 role. And then it's like, which striker out of the tons of strikers that we've had steps in? And I think someone who could play with uh, Teddy... Not Teddy, Kane. It's not Teddy. Yeah. I think it's going to be either Keane or Defoe. And up to this point, I was still undecided. But I'm going to go with Defoe because he had a little bit more pace Yeah, Keane. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? Defoe, I mean, he, he obviously played for us for a long time, didn't he? Yeah. And I, I and I, I always, I loved that combination uh, when he was playing with Peter Crouch as well. Because they, they, was, they, 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 they were complete different opposites weren't they but exactly they completely complemented each other and i always remember with, with the foe it was one of them strikers that you you watch him strike a ball he needed so little back back, like you know so backlift and he got so much power from he it he did and that was he from his backside and his, and his his power in his lower half and, and his center of gravity like you say he'll be running and within a split second that ball has left his boot and it's rocketing towards yeah, the target and that's invariably where he got a lot of his goals so yeah I love Defoe I, I, I love Keane yeah. I just love Defoe's natural instinct and hunger for goals I love that in a striker yeah, yeah. I watched uh, I know uh, Sky Sports at the moment are uh, showing a lot of the uh, sort of the, the old games aren't they to yes. kind of keep our interest and I don't know if you've managed to catch up on any of them but I watched the, and I just enjoy watching this the, the Spurs West Ham one when we beat them 4-3 you oh, know yeah. obviously Stalteri yeah. and and the, the foes uh, scored a penalty didn't he in that game yes and and, I, and I'm I mean because at the time like you look at him and he's sort of like he doesn't celebrate but he just looks at the fans yeah. and I know there was obviously that controversy with, with him leaving West Ham. And I, funny enough, I saw an article, I think about a week ago, and he says he regrets the way he did it. Because I, I think he, didn't he had in his notice yeah. West Ham kit? Or sorry, didn't yeah. He? <laughs> yeah, that's says it. I think the best one was, who was the guy that we, Chimbonda? Yes. He, he, the game, the game, he didn't even wait till he got in the dressing room, did he? <laughs> no. I think that the referee blew the whistle, and I think he had it in his back pocket, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty <right> much. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I've got a funny story about Jim Bonda, actually. Yeah. But I'll, I'll save it maybe for another pod. No, go on, tell us, tell us, go on. Well, it's, it's a bit of a funny, a bit of a naughty one. So, Jim Bonda, we saw him out once, myself and my brother. You've met my brother. Um, 
And when we we weren't playing that well, he came. He he was obviously did major things at Wigan. I think we signed him for nine million or something like that, which was a yeah, lot of it was money. Something like that. Yeah. And he wasn't performing. And we saw him funky pulling. We're like, A, what the hell are you doing there? And B, mate, you need to start pulling your your socks up and playing yes. like the way you've been playing. He said, We're all behind you. We we as a Spurs fan base, we love you. We want you to be that player you were. And I kid you not, within a week or so, he was back to the Chimbonda. Um okay. at Wigan. And I don't know if that was just my brother's words. You see, my brother's a big lad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to definitely not, be over but, still, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I think Brilliant. so. I think I it was. It. I think it was so you were basically his motivation coach. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't take credit for it and we didn't charge him. <laughs> yeah. no, <laughs> There's no protection record still like that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but yeah, it seemed Brilliant. to work. It seemed to, It didn't work with Anthony Gardner when we saw him in faces. But um, yeah, it worked with Jim hey, Wasn't he... Didn't didn't I read somewhere that uh, Gardner was a gooner? And that's, or am I just imagining that? I didn't see it, but it, it probably stands to reason. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So it's nothing you would have said would have made a difference. <laughs> yeah, he was drunk anyway. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, brilliant. Right, I've gone for, for my oh, yeah. eleven. I've quite similar to it's quite similar to yours. A little bit of a tweak, I guess, here and there. But uh, yeah, Lloris in goal, like you said, I mean, we've had some great keepers, but for me, Lloris, I mean, he's a World Cup winner, isn't he? I mean, yeah, definitely. He's, he's got, he's, there's no question. And then obviously centre-back, and I've gone I've gone three at the back. So, oh. Yeah, so I've gone Ledley King, obviously. I mean, that's the, the first name on the team sheet. And then flanked by Elderveld and Vertonghen, yeah. either side of him. Now, I've still gone for the, the, I've gone, so obviously wing-backs now with Rose and Walker. So flying wing-backs. So, Basically, I just sent them out there and said, look, you know, don't worry about defending, really. Yeah. So if, if the three boys get a little bit caught out, then maybe head back. But otherwise, just do what you do. Like, you know, when, in that last season of Wild Lane, just do what you do. Yeah. You know? I, want you, I want you forward as much as possible. Obviously, Dembele, like you said, give the give the defence a little bit of support. And then uh, Modric a little bit further forward. I've then gone for uh, Van der Vaar and Bao. And then uh, Klinsman. Klinsman up yeah, top. Okay. Now, I think for me, it's, it's probably sentiment more than anything, to be honest. Uh, because, Mate, I die And I, I have mentioned this before in the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's just like, I, I think, so I, I was, um, so he joined us originally, was it in 94, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, something like that, yeah. So so I was 15, so I was like, you know, at that age, you're just, you live and breathe, you, you know, we just, there's not much else can on, is there? Yeah. You know, so yeah, there's no kids or anything, there's a distraction. So I, I just, when when he signed, and this this was a time obviously when we were we were struggling a little bit, and it it was I always try to imagine what it's like, what what would be the equivalent now, and it would literally I I think for me, and you might disagree with me, it would be like um, uh, uh, Joe Lewis taking a picture of him on a yacht standing next to Cristiano Ronaldo. That's how it feels like. We've just signed Cristiano Ronaldo. Pretty but, much, I think I think that's a very good comparison. And yeah, but. It, it, and, and it was just, it it, it wouldn't happen. Like, it wouldn't happen now. And it's almost like it didn't feel like it could happen then. And I'm like, you are absolutely shitting me. We've got we've got Jürgen Klinsmann. Like, I've just watched the World Cup and this guy, this he's a world-class striker. Oh, yeah. I, it, it, didn't make any, it didn't make any sense to me, you know. And I can remember uh, doing a scrapbook because I was like, I need to record this, like, in case <laughs> I forget it ever happened. Like, you know, and ev- everything that was in the newspapers, I was cutting it out, sticking it in this scrapbook. We've got Jürgen Klinsmann. And I just remember the whole season, and, and obviously, like it broke my heart when he left. And he was at the, you know, it was like it was a bit like when West Ham had Tevez, wasn't it? Like you know, they had a world class striker. He didn't belong at West Ham. And to be honest, I, as much as you know, I, I feel like we're we're now a top club, and we've always been there or thereabouts. It was just so weird having this world class striker at the stadium, at, at the ground, at the at the club. And so, yeah, I just as as much as we've we've had amazing strikers over the years and arguably better strikers just yeah for sentimentally wise I couldn't think past Klinsman you know and can I just jump in there sorry mate see Go with on. Klinsman for me I had him down on my list and for the exact same reasons you did you're about a year older than me by the sounds of it okay. so I was there with the Klinsman time and what I liked about that Apart from the fact getting over the shock that we've actually got this World Cup winner, because he was a world world class striker, and yes. 
it was. When he came, he actually did what it said on the tin. He was that good. You actually saw yeah, in from, everything he did. Yeah, from from game one. Exactly. Do you remember the Sheffield Wednesday the game? Header. From the first game, he was on fire, wasn't he? Yeah, and he just his touch, his movement, his finishing. And I just thought, what is he doing here? Like like you, this is not real. This is not this is unbelievable. When is it going to end? But I yeah. I think he's got an affinity to Spurs because he came back as well, didn't he? A little bit older. That's right. And when we were struggling, I think we had the points deducted and he helped us um, starve off relegation. So I've got a lot of time for Klinsmann. Uh I just went we came because of the longevity of it. And it's tricky because Michael Carrick has won stuff as well and is turned into a better player when he left us. But I think Modric and Dembele did more for Spurs. So... But yeah, Klinsmann's yeah, good shot. Good shot. Yeah, I was gonna. I was when it comes to the free subs. Yeah. I couldn't couldn't think past attackers. So <laughs> what I thought was because I've got three at the back. If there is an injury at the back, then they can just sort themselves You've out. Got flexibility at the back. Maybe then Bele come back a little bit. So I've I've gone for the free subs. Kane. I mean, Kane has to be there somewhere. Uh, Son and just for the sheer flair and again sentimental as well. Ginola. I just it, it, it was another period of time for me where I think where. Where we had, um, like you see, you look at our, you look at our, our first eleven now, and I and I and I genuinely would feel upset if any of them got replaced because I feel like we've got eleven um, like amazing players. But you know, same with the Klinsman, the same with Janola. He he was a shining star, wasn't he? I mean, like some of the stuff he used to do, it was you just sit and watch it and be like. <laughs> how can someone do that I mean obviously the, the Barnsley goal is a famous one and people could argue that he was playing Barnsley no, as opposed to playing doesn't Man United matter. doesn't matter who did it against it's... Man United to be fair yeah of course he scored two wonderful goals I think one was left one was right where he cuts in and bends it in bottom that's, corner that's right yeah so, I mean go. Ginola for me sorry I just, I've got to jump in on this point because I don't think it's appreciated on my pod Kobna if you're listening fella <laughs> Matt knows his stuff. Yeah, Dembele's great and all. Ginola, one of the most two-footed players you will ever see in your entire life. You didn't know if he was going left or right. Yeah. He could strike the ball with either foot, top bin, either foot. And I'm so convinced, Matt, and I can't even find it, that he scored a free kick with his left foot and he scored another free kick with his right foot. I found the one with his left. Jeez. I need to find the one with his right. <laughs> yeah, mate, I'll help you look for it. I'll you. We'll find it. We'll find it. <laughs> Wicked. Yeah, so I think we're, we're fairly fairly uh, matched, I think, with, uh, with our first 11 and, and uh, everything. Uh, yeah, I, there, there's been some great players over the Premier League era and I think, and you, you alluded to this as well, I think that the Pochett era probably produced most of the great play and, and it's easy isn't it to yeah. think of it's easy to think of recent times it's hard like it's harder to go back isn't it to like 15 20 years and it's easy just to think oh you know what happened in the last couple of years but at the same time you know i was i was when i was looking researching it i, w- I was trying to find a, a players that you know going back to the the, the mid 90s when the premier league started but I, I can't look past for the core of the squad i can't look past players that Pochettino produced, like, produced more or less, didn't he? Yeah, you know, and, and... agreed. Yeah, You just look at it, though. Fantastic. Look at it. You just challenged. We cha- we talked, uh, we spoke on Lloris. Speaker Walker, who is Walker's competition? Stephen Carr. Yeah. Lee Ponyo. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, who is Rose's competition? <laughs> Benny, Benoit, Asuakoto. But what you've got to think yeah. is, throughout the Poch era, they consistently performed at a high level domestically and in Europe at the top table. And we can't say that for a lot of the other players who have graced Spurs in the Premier League era and have been good in those positions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, do you know what? It actually is a good little segue actually to something I wanted to talk about and I wanted to get your opinion on it. Like me and Sam talk about it quite a lot. Um, So it's come out in the news, I think it was yesterday that uh, Carl Walker-Peters has had his uh, contract extended, or his loan contract, sorry, with Southampton. So it covers him basically until the end of the season now. So I think it was it was going to ha- finish on the 30th of June, which would obviously coincide with it being a normal season. Yeah. But clearly Southampton want to keep him to the end of the season. And I don't know, and I know there's speculation about it, whether there's a, a clause in there that they can, they can buy him, at, uh, uh, you know, once, once the actual season completely finishes. It's, it's such a weird one for me because, like my opinion, I, I watch him play and I like him. I really like him. And it's weird that under Pochettino, who's 
famous for for bringing players up and you know there's so many you can think of that he's improved and brought up and like it's been a it's been a puzzlement for me and Sam for so long like a why he hasn't played him and b if he hasn't played him why he hasn't sent him out alone before that what 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 do we what what's your take on everything with Carl Walker Peters yeah it's a tricky one it really is a tricky one because I would like to have seen him given a go and that would have been before he was thrown into the cauldron of the new camp in the Champions League must win or draw a game. And yeah, he got hooked at half time because he didn't play particularly well. So I don't think that has boded well with Poch um, throughout just because it felt like he couldn't be trusted right at that point. And I don't think that's his fault. I think that's Poch's fault. Now, he performed admirably well when the England under twenties won the World Youth or Under Twenties World Cup, but he played left back. And a lot of people believe that's his best position as opposed to right back. But he's right footed. So I find that hard to believe as well. Yeah. Um yeah. my only thing with with Carl Walker Peters is to play as a full back in the Premier League, you need to have power and dynamism, right? Not necessarily pace, but you need to be able to get up and down and have that little bit of power and strength to, if you take Rose as a short fullback, he knows how to use his body, he knows how to use his power. And that way you can survive because sometimes you're going to be up against six foot plus forwards when the ball's on the back post and they come on mm. come on to you. And if you can't defend that, you're a liability. And I feel that's yeah. what's let him down. Not technically. Obviously, he's lacked a bit of confidence at times, but technically I think he's good enough. Uh, I think he had that game where he's, he got recorded three assists uh, home game, well, Wembley game. can't remember who we played, but he recorded three assists. So he's got it attackingly, uh, defensively, obviously, it's a learn. You learn that game as a, as a young fullback. But I think it's the power and pace and the dynamism that he needs to develop in order to be a top fullback. And do, do you, would you be sad to see him go? I mean, like if, if Southampton signed him, would you be like, yep, good luck to you, mate? Or would you be like, there's a part of me that wishes he was still at the club? Yeah, I, I wish he would come through. I mean, we need a right back, right? So mm. I, I wish he would come through. But if you look at Aurea, I think the problem we have with Aurea is he has every attribute physically to be a top fullback. I'm talking top fullback in Europe. It, what lets him down is his mentality. He's just these crazy decisions. Yeah. I mean, like we, me and Sam talked last week about him getting caught for the third time on lockdown, like having his hairdresser there, and it's like, come on, Serge, man. It's like, just, just yeah, think crazy. about things. And, it, and it's a bit coach. like, and I always said this, yeah, I always, yeah, I mean, I always said to it, like, I always say about him that, I, 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 like, he can do some amazing things on the pitch, and like, you know, he can, he scores, like, the, the way he hit that, I can't remember the game earlier in the season when he, when he scored, and the way, it was almost Tom Huddleston-esque, the way he cut slice, didn't he? Such he? Yeah. A clean kick. But then, like I always feel like he he's like he he wants to make a YouTube video and he wants these amazing tackles and he'll go in and if if he pulls it off it'll be like yeah that's going to get like ten million hits <laughs> on YouTube but nine times out of ten he doesn't and it's like just like it's almost like you want him you, you want him to do the basics first and he, he's clearly got the talent uh, talent and um, uh, ability you know to to do these things but. I feel like he wants to go for the the, the 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 flash first before doing the basics. Do you know what I mean? And it and it's like it, it just has you on edge. Yeah, definitely. Uh, good analogy. I, I like him. Good, sorry, yeah, good analogy like about him. about YouTube. Mm. You know, I never thought about it like that, but yeah, it could be because he's. It, it just. Sorry, go on. Yeah, it, it no, yeah, it just it, it that's the thing for me, and I, I don't know. I guess when you're looking at left back and right back, you 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 almost want a player, don't you? That's a bit more kind of. Um, I don't know if reliable is the right word, but like Trippier is another example, isn't he? I mean, like for me, I don't know if you thought this as well, but with Trippier, he he seemed to be that that kind of that that fullback, and then when he scored that amazing goal uh, for for England at Wembley, and then and then he scored for us, I think against Fulham, I think a similar free kick. Liverpool, wasn't it? Was he Liverpool? Yeah, was it? Liverpool yeah. But he, but then he started believing in his own kind of um, Hype, yeah. Yeah, and then he started doing that, you know. And it, and I remember watching. And I, I know I've mentioned this plenty of times in the podcast, but I remember taking my boy to see us play Wolves away when we beat him three two, and I think a couple of the goals yes. were directly down to him, just 
messing around with a ball. You know what I mean? Just like doing the tricks, doing the things that would look on good on a YouTube clip, but it's not what we want to what we want to see you doing when we want to win the game. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? So with me on trip, right? I've, I think I've got a history with this. I I've never been a fan of Trippier as a Premier League fullback. And as I touched on with Kyle Walker-Peters, I think you need to be a certain body type and mindset to be a Premier League fullback because it is one of the hardest positions to play in football today, right? In Brazil, they call this position the lateral. They call it the lateral because lateral means side, for those who don't know. And literally, that's what you do. You marshal the side of the pitch up and down. You have to be up and you have to be back, especially when you play with wingers who are inverted. And that needs stamina, that needs power, that needs technique. He's got the technique and he's got a good footballing brain. I don't think he had the other two. Mm. You look at Chilwell as a left back. He's not rapid, but he's got that power and he he can get up and down. And yeah, sometimes fullbacks are going to get caught out. But it's your system. Your system needs to enable them to go forward and have someone protect their side when they go forward. But there's a lot more to it. But I think Trippier, for me, was never going to be the best right back. I think Aurea has the potential, but technique not as good as Trippier, but literally has the power and the energy to deal with what it involves in the Premier League. And I'm only speaking Premier League here because obviously Trips has gone to um, Spain and done really well. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. And, you, you know, you've only got to look at Carl Walker when he was with us. I mean, that's what he had, didn't he? He had power, he had pace. Exactly. That is what... That's what you when someone in that position, especially if you're gonna like if you're gonna play him in a in like in a wing back position almost, you you, you need those attributes. And Aurier, I, I feel like he could do it. Like you know, if he was to kind of, I mean, he's he's still quite young, isn't he? I, 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 I think he's mid twenties. I, I think he's twenty six. Mid twenties. Yeah. So he's still he's still got time on his side, and he and and if he, if he can, and I, I for me, I don't think he's got a better coach to to kind of hone hone him the you know into into being. And, a, and you know, a fant- I know everyone's got their opinion of him, but I, I feel like if they, if he can get honed honed into uh, like playing, like you know, like a, a something like a more secure right back, I guess, then yeah. I think he could be one of the best in the world. You know, I really think he could. I agree. I think he's, he could definitely be up there. And like you say, Jose has got that kind of uh, ability to make him more defensively sound. He does play in further forward, and this is what everyone yeah. has to remember, right? He is is that lopsided defence that Spurs or yeah. Pochettino, uh, Pochettino Jose likes to play. And this is why I don't always like to focus on players. It's all about systems as well. And I think you, I think if you remember the Man United game at Old Trafford, Sissoko and Winks were in the DM roles, and we got badly caught out in midfield. And half of that problem was Sissoko's, his role mainly seemed to be tracking back and filling in for um, Aurier at right back or supporting him. And for me, that was the wrong tactic mm. because it left yeah, us sure. so open. Yeah, sure. yeah. But if you're going to do that with I'll an upsided yeah. Yeah, um, fullback, you need to figure out with your centre-backs, Davison Sanchez maybe, or Toby if he's playing right side, coming over a little bit. And maybe Sissoko's run is straight back to make a free rather than keep on going diagonally, which is further distance to travel. So it's, it's yeah. tactical nuances like that, that I think will help Aurier as well. Yeah, of course. And, and also like, you know, like you say, I mean, you, you especially in the modern game, uh, they players, you know, they, they, they haven't got just a one position and that's it. You know, they can, they can adapt to move to, but with, for me personally, Sizoko, I love him nothing better than when he's in the middle, when he is just driving. I mean, he, he gets to the end of the, he gets to, like, no, no one can get the ball off him. He gets the end. Some of the times he's like, I, I know don't know what to do with yeah. But, but yeah, but he's just, for, for that kind of play, he's, he, and another player that reminds me of is Dembele. Dembele was like that. Once you've got the ball, no one's getting it off him. Yeah. And 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 Suzuko's like that. And look, we're not good. You know, it's no getting around it. Suzuko can't, can't shoot. I mean, he's just. It's a bit like I think was it Sakura when we had Sakura, he was the same. When he, I think he had like about 150 shots on goal, and none of them were like 20 yards <laughs> near near the goal. You know, Sakura Freund before him. Yeah, Freund. There's another one. Wasn't he? <laughs> Just quickly, like with Freud, I always remember, and I don't know if you remember this, uh, we were playing Man United and uh, 
Keane, uh, Roy Keane, uh, started on one of our players. And then uh, and then Freud tried to get involved, and then you could he just shit himself and ran. Yeah. Like, he ran. Literally. It's like for for a, for a split second he's like, I'm going to defend my player. Then he's like, I'm oh, Roy Keane. No. <laughs> I'm going the other way. Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> It was uh, funny. Right, do you know what? I, th- I thought we'd just close the podcast on um, one last little story. And, and this is a reminiscent, I guess, as well. But, uh, but probably as most people know, it was uh, Gaza's birthday on uh, Wednesday. I saw that, yeah. Uh, it was his 53rd birthday, I believe. Now, I, I always, for anyone that ever wants to listen to me, I always, I'm always fascinated by psychology, you know, psychology in different elements of life. And, you know, obviously we were talking about Janola and how he was just naturally gifted. I mean, like, I think there were stories of Janola smoking in a dressing room, weren't there? You know, he just could sit in a dressing room, spark a fag, and I'll just go out the second half and do my thing. You know, he was just, he was born. He he came out of his mother's (laughs) womb with that ability. I agree. Like, someone like Kane, I mean, I can remember watching him... uh, when he first broke through and he was he, he was not awful but you like this, this kid's not going to get anywhere but that's exactly sheer, exactly what I said utter determination yeah, yeah. but with, with with Gaza Gaza was the same uh, as Janola where he just was born with this ability and he didn't need to he didn't need to do anything like you know he was just a, a natural born football player and I, and I saw um, I saw a quote uh, by him and this was when he was 49 so it's about four years uh, four years ago but this summed up for me, Gaza, his career and everything, and the and, his, and the psychology behind it. Right. So it says um, that uh, the time I had at Spurs was phenomenal. Uh, said Gaza. Uh, the thing is, sometimes I wish I hated it because then I wouldn't miss it so much. I enjoyed every minute. I was excited to go out and train every day. That's why I used to go in at eight o'clock in the morning and wait for the rest of the guys to come in. My time at Spurs was some of the best ever. And the worst thing is when I watch the team now and I think about my time there, and that's a time I can never get back. Now, like for, my first thought when I when I read that was like, you know, obviously you love his time at Spurs, and you know, you could see he did. But this is a guy that that looks back, you know, he's looking back on his life, and 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 when you look at someone like Kane, and another example, and I always use this is David Beckham is a good example. David Beckham was never born with ability. He like you can well, he obviously was born with ability, but he was never, he was. I don't think he was born a world class player. He worked, you know, he's like Kane. Yeah. Never, never, Works never, never stopped working. Just never stopped, did he? Yeah. You know, he improved, improved himself. And this is someone that's always looking forward. He was always looking forward to a move to another world class club. And now he's bought a club. He's bought some a team in America. He's looking forward. He's always looking forward all the time. That's what he's doing. What's my next focus forward? And then you look at Gaza, and all Gaza's doing is looking back, and he's regretting the fact he can't play football now. And I and, and I was having a little look at his career, and and, he, and I don't know if you if you uh, remember his career, like you know, obviously when he when he left Spurs, but. When he signed for Rangers, now in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, he must have been 33, 34, coming to the end of his career. Because I always remember thinking, oh, he went, he went to Scotland. It was towards the end of his career. He was 28 when he signed for Rangers. Was he? he was he was in the absolute prime of his life. He was in the prime of his life. I know, obviously, he had that major injury that took him out for a season before we signed for Lazio. By the way, yeah, self-inflicted, but. He he just um, and I mean there was I was reading stories as well when he was in when he was playing for Lazio I think they said go on holiday and he said I'm not going to go on holiday and they was like go on holiday they they told him to and he came back and he put on about two stone he said well I told you you shouldn't have sent me on holiday it was like it he could he could get away with what he was because he was so he was so naturally good he could just get away with eating what he liked drunk what he liked and he would still go on the pitch and just perform but. Because he because he's always looking back. I mean, I know obviously now he's getting to a point where he's like you know he's obviously coming he, by the looks of things he's, he's coming out of a, a dark tunnel now. You, by the looks of things, yeah. you know he, he had some dark times. But there's someone who who looks back, who regrets, who wishes they could go back to this, which you can't do. You know, it's impossible to go back in time. It's it's absolutely perfectly possible to go forward in time, but you can't go back. You can't do that. And so people, I think, who focus on on the past, you're always going to have a sense of unhappiness. And, and I always get that feeling with, with him, you know, that, you know, you, like I say, you look at someone like, like, like Kane or Beckham or look at who want to improve. Like, you know, as much as I hate Kane saying, if as long as Spurs are improving, I'll, I'll stay with him, otherwise I'm going to leave. And, and I hate him, like, you know, from the fact that I hate him to leave. But this is a guy who, who, who's driven by, by, by what's going to happen in the future, you know. And it's, it's sad in a way to see that Gaza's main focus 
he's just on the regret and wishing he could go back, you know? It's, and I'm, I fully, fully get it. And I fully agree with what you've been saying. I just feel if you, the two parallels you've given, right? You've given someone who's blessed with talent, probably didn't make the most or the best use of his talent, right? Knows he made mm. st- silly decisions on occasions and maybe didn't work as hard on some of the things he wasn't as good at because he was so good, right? And didn't have that discipline. Mm. Whereas you've got guys who weren't as naturally talented and are making and have so far made the most of every ounce of the talent they had. And for that reason, it's, well, especially in, in with regards to Bex, he's gone on to win things, so that helps, major things. And doesn't have those regrets, doesn't have to look back because he knows he's given everything he can do in order to be successful in his chosen field. Whereas Gaza, maybe not so. Uh, I think that could play into it. Uh, the injury didn't help because obviously Gaza wasn't as good, but he was still pretty good um, when he went to Rangers. And I watched him at Lazio. Go Lazio, Gazette of Football. I mean, it was the whole reason really that a lot of us tuned in um, to the Italian programme. I didn't realise though he was 28 when he went to Rangers. I, like you, yeah. thought he was near the end of his career um, than that, and not in the prime of his career. And maybe... Going to Rangers, yeah, he won things at Rangers, but maybe he should have come back to the Premier League. Maybe the, mm. well, it wasn't the Premier League then, but maybe he should have come back to Division One and gone to maybe a menu or come back to Spurs. But I like the fact that he looks back at Spurs with fond memories. I think a lot of players have had a good time at Spurs. Klinsman came back, the foes come back, Keane's come back to Spurs. There's talk of Bell coming back, and Bell only tends to speak positively about Spurs. I think there is yeah. something there that is naturally part of Spurs' psyche, but maybe it doesn't or hasn't channeled winners throughout the years. Yeah, it's it's difficult because, like you know, obviously me and you, we're both going to be biased being Spurs fans, but I, I, I there can't be many clubs like Spurs where look, okay, the trophies haven't been. You know, we've won the odd trophy over the years, but we just we're known for playing exciting football. And, and it, do you know what the best the best way to to show that, uh, or, or or you know, you know, to kind of go, yeah, this is why is me when me and you were were looking at our first eleven. Yeah, There's so many attacking players. We've had so many amazing attacking players. Like defense wise, I mean, I know it was mate was kind of half joking about it, but you know, apart from apart from obviously Ledley King and 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 the pairing we've got and a, and a couple of others maybe in the past it almost is like you know I can't think of anyone else but attacking wise I could probably put a hundred players in there that were equally you know deserve to be in that first 11 yeah you think of the strikers we've had just, just number nines uh, even ten and a half or nine and a half so many right and I'm talking yeah. top top players your Keens your Defoe's your Teddies uh, Berbatov Sherenham they're all Premier League area. Era Kane, Van der Vaart, um, Eriksson, Ali fits in there. Son, Bell, Ginola, Anderton. Right? There's others. It's incredible. Les Ferdinand, not even mentioned. Lennon, you want to talk yeah, about these course. players. But when you look at, when I look at centre backs, the next best after those three, that I didn't include Toby, but it's not far off, um, it's Michael Dawson. Yeah, I know to Michael yeah. Dawson, but it's Michael Dawson. Yeah, I, I always say, and I know this divides opinion, um, but with Michael Dawson, I I will never ever question his desire. Like you know, if, if if there's a ball that's coming in and there's someone someone's boot there, he will put his head there to defend. He would like he would give his life to defend for Spurs. But for me, I think if he hadn't been partnered by Ledley, then it he may. I, I feel like I'm not saying Ledley carried him, but. It, it was he was just lucky that he was playing in the same era era as Ledley. I think that's that helped him. Ledley got him into the England squad. There's no two ways about it. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I think I, I agree with you. He put his head where no man would put their head. Um, would he have been as good and as well remembered without Ledley? Probably not. But it's all about partnerships, right? So yeah, of they were a good partnership. Ledley's not going to put his head where Michael Dawson's going to put his head. So and. Ledley just helped Michael read the game and had that bit of pace as that compliment. So 
it, it was it was good. It was good synergy. But Michael Dawson alone, would he have been as good? No. But he's the fourth best centre back. Maybe Woodgate, but Woodgate wasn't as consistent um, in the in the team as Dawson. But after that, who who are we looking at? We're looking at Colin Caldwell. We're looking at Anthony Gardner, <laughs> yeah. Stuart Nevercox of yeah. the world. Yeah, who was who was the ginger Pele? Um... Gary Doherty. <laughs> Gary yeah, there we yeah, go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Better striker than he was defender, wasn't he? So Yeah. Do you know what do you know what, Adrian? I hope there's been people listening at an O-Range group because <laughs> we've been spending a lot of time remedying. Well, yeah, we have gone but, back to the nineties. Oh mate, but it's, do you know what it's been really good talking to you and thank you for coming on to the podcast uh this week and uh and chatting with me. I just before I go, I'm gonna just uh, let everyone know, obviously who doesn't know that we are on Twitter and Instagram at Spurs News nineteen sixty one, on Facebook, Spurs News and on the website SpursNews.co.uk. It's been really good chatting to you, Andrew. And really be um good chatting to you as well, Matt, and being on the pod. So thank you very much for that. Take care, mate. Take care. You too. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. Be sure to join over 50,000 other Spurs fans on our Facebook page at Spurs News. Until next time, come on, you Spurs. And remember, to dare is to do.